introduce myself in a second. I just first want you to all give a shout out to some members of our Jews for Jesus team that's here as well. The Lemma family sitting in the fifth row. Maybe stand guys and just wave to everybody. <laughs> so um, it's a real privilege to be here. You are my first fruits. For this is the first time I'm speaking in a church in Canada while being a fully fledged member of Jews for Jesus in Canada. Um, and a little bit about me. Uh, the last two years, I've been living in Jerusalem, uh, where my son Levi was born, and my wife and I were sent there as missionaries, and we went to establish the branch of Jews for Jesus in Jerusalem, and uh, then God had us leave Jerusalem, and uh, Jews for Jesus asked if I would come and join the team here in Canada, and one of the reasons that this is uh, a need in Canada is... Have you looked around you and seen where this church is situated? Um, it feels like I'm back in Jerusalem. So um, if anybody's familiar with Jeremiah chapter 29, we all know the 2911 is what gets put on your mug. Uh, it's what you buy at every Christian bookstore. It's what's on your table. But the true context of Jeremiah 29 is a mission context. It was given to the Jewish people who were in captivity in Babylon. For God said to them, while in captivity, you need to build homes, have families. You need to lay roots. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. And so I want to encourage you all that if God has planted you in the Jewish area of Toronto, be sure that he is going to use you to reach his people with the gospel. That's all I can say. I'm very encouraged to be in a church that is situated in such an incredible place like this. So, before we get to the message this morning, I have uh, a few things I'd like to tell you. We have a table at the back, um, and it's got some books, and some of the books I'm dealing with the topic today. So if you'd like to pick that up, uh, the lemmas will be at the table, and you can go and speak to them, and you can get some stuff. We've got some giveaways as well as some books um, one of the things you can grab is actually all the feasts of Israel, which I'm talking about today. You will be able to grab a pamphlet that will just give you kind of a synopsis of, of the feasts of Israel. So that will be cool. And then, last but not least, um, if you look on your chairs, we've got these involvement cards. Now, I have to admit, I've never seen these before. I'm brand new here. But in South Africa and in Israel, it worked a different way. But here I see there's tons of stuff. Like in South Africa, we would never have credit card details on a card. Because we're just, it's a country that's just not equipped for that type of technology. So it's so interesting to see that here in Canada. Anyways, um, if you want to receive our newsletter, and you can grab some free copies of that on the table outside as well. Uh, please, uh, please do so. Fill out your, your name, your number, your contact details, and we'll send out Jews for Jesus newsletters to you. Why would you want them? That's what you're sitting at. Aiden, I, I read so many things. Why do I want another newsletter? I'll tell you why, especially this year. This year we're turning 50. It's our Jubilee year. And we're about to embark on what's the largest campaign we've ever done as a ministry in 50 years, we're mobilizing teams in 20 different locations around the world to do evangelism to Jewish people from South Africa to Ukraine to Russia to Jerusalem to Tel Aviv, here in Toronto. And it's going to be a very exciting year for us as a ministry. We're trusting God for tremendous fruit. So if you sign up for our newsletters, you'll be able to read all the amazing testimonies of Jewish people coming to faith 
right here in your town. Maybe, even maybe, because of where you are, God might send them to this very church. And that's where I get excited. Because imagine I can partner with you guys. And as we lead Jewish people to faith in this city, we're able to partner with churches like you and send them here so that they can come and be discipled and grow up well in Christ. Amen? So, with that, and I set you up nicely, today I'm going to be talking about the Feasts of Israel, but most importantly, how they relate to the Great Commission. Excuse me? The Feasts of Israel and the Great Commission? Yes. So, because you don't know me, I have to tell you that I grew up ultra-Orthodox. Black hat, black coat, studied in Israel when I was 16 in a religious school called a yeshiva. I was going to become a rabbi. I'm from the tribe of Levi, so my family all had to like, be in synagogue when I was growing up, and we had to do all these weird and wonderful things. And so to say I grew up Jewish is an understatement. 2010, to cut a very long story short, I came to faith in Jesus by meeting my wife Kara's family, who uh, preached the gospel to me. And because they preached the gospel to me, here I am standing with you in Toronto, preaching the gospel back to you. Now that's what today's message is all about. But how do we find this in Leviticus chapter 23? Well, this is a book you kind of don't read, right? Let's be honest. When we do that, like, January 1st, I'm going to read the Bible in a year thing with each other, keep me accountable. When we get to the books like Leviticus, we're like, I'll quickly read this and get on to the next thing. We want the New Testament. We want the narrative. We want the stories. Who wants to read Leviticus, right? But here in Leviticus chapter 23, there is such riches and a huge foreshadow of what I believe God wanted to do with us the entire time. So let's get into it. Leviticus chapter 23. And we're going to read up until about verse 37. I'm going to read some of it, not all of it. But I really want you to follow me today. As I believe it's like watching, you know, one of those movies where they've got like five different scenes going on at the same time. And you kind of have to concentrate. And then right at the end you go, Oh, yes, that's amazing. What a cool movie. And you tell your friends about it. That's what we're going to do today. So keep track with me, okay? The first thing in Leviticus 23 that God wants to talk about through one of these uh, five books of Moses is he says, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. These are the Lord's appointed festivals, which you are to proclaim as official days for holy assembly. Now, I just want to challenge you here. If you're a believer in Jesus, I've been in many churches throughout my days as a missionary, and I know that I've heard many sermons preached about the blessings of Abraham. That through Abraham, who God found righteous, we as children of God can now reach into that same blessing and receive what God has for us, which is eternal life with him and abundance and blessing and favor and all these things. But it's amazing to me how few Christians take the feasts of the Lord seriously because they say that belongs to the Jews. But then could we say Christ only belongs to the Jews? Absolutely not. 
In fact, the name given to Abraham, in Hebrew his name is Avraham, there's the biggest clue. It means the father of many nations. That's right. Just the name given to the very first Jewish man was the greatest clue ever. God wants everyone involved. Okay? So am I telling you to keep the feasts of the Lord? Not at all. But I definitely think you should understand them. Because if you do, it might give you great insight when you're reading certain things in the New Testament. So the Lord says to Moses, you have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of complete rest, an official day for holy assembly. It is the Lord's Sabbath day. It must be observed wherever you live. I just want to stop there. Sabbath is quite contentious. I know many people are like, Christ has saved me. Grace is on me. I don't need to celebrate or to keep the legal Sabbath. Uh, that God gave as an ordinance to the Jewish people. I'm not under that law. Sabbath for me, I go to church on a Sunday. You're, you're, you're correct. But the essence of what Sabbath really is, is very important. And especially in 2023, in today's world, I believe this is the one thing that God has asked us to do, that we fail him the most. Keeping Sabbath. What do I mean by that? Keeping Sabbath is taking one day a week and dedicating it to God, celebrating God, giving praise to God, worshiping God. Aidan, I come to church on a Sunday. I know. What happens when you leave here, though? Do you go back to your crazy? Does the television get switched on and uh, we go out for lunch and dinner and meet friends and kids are running around like crazy and we're so exhausted that we can't even start tomorrow, the first day of the new week? Do we really take a day off to just sit in the presence of God? To just look up to the heavens and say, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You know everything about me. Lord, what might you have me to do with my life? Lord, I love you. Lord, I praise you. Lord, you are my Sabbath. Do we do that enough? Probably not. But it's okay. We're learning. We're getting there step by step. If you read in Genesis the creation of the world. In Hebrew, every time God makes a day, he says, Vayahi Erev, Vayahi Boker, Yom Rishon, Yom Sheni, Yom Shlishi, which means day one, day two, day three. And in English, it says, then there was evening, then there was morning, day one. Then there was evening, then there was morning, day two. Do you know that the Jewish people celebrate their festivals based on evening to evening? Because of this in the Bible. So when they have a festival, it starts in the evening because Genesis says, then there was evening, then there was morning, day one. So they start their day in the evening. Strange, eh? Not so. It's in the Bible. Anyway, when it gets to the Sabbath, isn't it interesting that God did not write in there, then there was evening, then there was morning, the Sabbath. He left that out. It was supposed to be a day of perpetual rest in the presence of the Lord. This was the invitation given to the first people created, which they broke. And so in turn, they broke the Sabbath. And all of a sudden, things are out of sorts and out of shape. But Sabbath was supposed to be eternal. It was supposed to be forever. And I believe when Jesus comes back, we will all understand just what Sabbath means when we get to have Sabbath with him forever. 
Why would you want to preach the gospel? Wouldn't you want somebody that you love and know to have Sabbath forever? So I think that's an important thing to look at. So here I want to get into the feasts. Because Sabbath, while it is a feast, happens every Friday and Saturday. And uh, especially here around your area, you'll see people walking, not using motor cars. Um, you'll see the synagogues kind of getting packed up. And that's the day that they celebrate the Sabbath. The next one that the Lord speaks about in verse 5 is he said, The Lord's Passover begins at sundown on the 14th day of the first month. On the next day, the 15th day of the month, you must begin celebrating the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now, I believe you guys are going to have a Christ in the Passover presentation. So I'm not going to go too much into this. But the fundamentals of Passover you must understand. Okay? And the fundamentals are this. There was a group of people, the Israelites, in slavery. God needed to set them free. So he commanded them to take a lamb... Roast it without breaking any of its bones to take a hyssop branch and dip that hyssop branch into the blood of the lamb and apply it to the doorposts of their home. Do you remember that story? Now, if we read it, um, we see that they were asked to apply it first to the top lintel, then to the left of the, of the house, and then to the right. So imagine, let's paint the blood of the lamb on, the, on our doors. Isn't that interesting? All the way back in Egypt... The Israelites planting the blood of lamb on the doors to what I believe. I mean, there was no Instagram in those days, so we don't have proof. But um, maybe it looked like a cross, a bloodied cross on their doorposts. And what happened when the angel of death saw this bloodied doorpost? It did not kill the firstborn inside the home, but it passed over the blood and left the Israelites alone. That's why it's called Passover. Right? So it was the blood from the lamb that saved Israel that day. Isn't that interesting? Thousands of years before Christ, the blood of the lamb saved Israel. Well, I think God is setting us up for something. When he set them free, he didn't just set them free. He gave them the promised land. And that's an invitation I have for you here today. Have you just been set free? Or do you also hold on to the promises of God, which is to bless you so you can be a blessing? Which is to use you so that others might meet him? Which is to fill you and equip you so that you can be him for people here on this earth? He doesn't just save us. He equips us and he sends us. The Jewish people were sent to Israel. Where is God sending you? And that could just be to your members of your family. It could be to your neighbor. It could be to your school. It could be anywhere. God doesn't have to send you from South Africa to Canada. Trust me, it's not so easy. Okay? After the Passover, so let's just remember I said we're going to put this movie together. Sabbath, perpetual eternal rest with God. Passover, the blood of the lamb saves. Are we there? Got it. Awesome. Next, God speaks about two feasts that coincide together. It's called the, the Feast of First Fruits. Uh, in Hebrew, we call this, or the Feast of Weeks. 
And in Hebrew, we call this Shavuot. Now, this is very interesting because I see here in my ESV, hold on one sec, I just want to change Bible here. Um, sorry, I had it open on an NLT. Um, the ESV says here, the Feast of First Fruits and the Feast of Weeks, and they're kind of grouped together. And I want us to jump to verse 15. You shall count seven weeks from the, fir- uh, from the day of the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering. You shall count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. I want to put this into context for you, okay? Because we're talking about a period of seven weeks here. You celebrate something in the church called Pentecost. Who can tell me what Pentecost actually means? In Greek, what does Pentecost mean? Somebody shout it out. 50th, very good. 50 days, excellent. So Pentecost means 50, all right? And the reason that you celebrate Pentecost is because on the 50th day after the Passover, God sends the Holy Spirit to that upper room. It fills. Uh, one of them was Peter that it fills. He runs outside and he preaches the gospel. Do you remember that? Peter preaches this electric sermon. And he fulfills a prophecy from the Bible that says that one day will become a circumcision, not of the flesh, but of the heart. And what does it say when Peter preached the gospel? It says that they were cut to their hearts. And on that day... God added 3,000 souls to the kingdom. What a sermon. Can you imagine an altar call? You would need Michael W. Smith up there for two hours playing music while you were finishing up that altar call. 3,000 people, that's crazy. Filled with the Spirit. Go Peter. But we forget that if we go all the way back to the Old Testament, to Exodus chapter 32, On the 50th day after Passover, the Israelites had just received the law on Mount Sinai. On the 50th day, that's why the Jewish people, they celebrate on the 50th day after Passover, the receiving of the law. The church celebrates the receiving of the Spirit on the 50th day. Parallel, let's see what God's doing there. Do you know that in Exodus 32, when the Israelites received the law, At the base of the mountain, they were doing all sorts of weird and wonderful things. God punished them, and on that day, a number of Israelites died. Can anybody guess how many Israelites died in Exodus chapter 32? 3,000. That's in the Bible. So in the Old Testament, 3,000 perish on the 50th day after Passover by the receiving of the law. And in the New Testament, 3,000 get new life after the hearing of the gospel, after being filled with the Spirit. Isn't that exciting? God is turning something completely around. Remember when the Bible says that the law brings death, and the Bible says that truth and grace comes through Jesus Christ, life comes through him and life eternal? There we have it. There's a picture of it. So, I told you this is going to be a weird and wonderful movie. Bear with me. The Sabbath is perpetual, eternal rest. The Passover, you are saved by the blood, set free and given a promise. And 50 days later, at the Feast of Weeks, in the New Testament, we are given the Holy Spirit to equip us, fill us, and send us so we can get people into the kingdom. All right, so perpetual rest, saved by the blood, filled with the Spirit.
Okay, it's starting to sound like what happens when you get born again, right? Okay, so now, let's move on. The Feast of Trumpets. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, verse 23, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall observe the day of solemn rest, a memorial proclaimed with blast of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work, and you shall present a food offering to the Lord. Has anybody here heard of the Feast of Trumpets before? Okay, well, the Feast of Trumpets, because you live in this area, you will see it, that every year around about uh, September time, the Jewish people celebrate what's called Rosh Hashanah, which is the Jewish New Year, otherwise known as the Feast of Trumpets. And they all blow the ram's horn. If anybody's been to Israel on a tour, I think every tourist comes back with one of these ram's horns. Okay, it's called a shofar. If you go into the marketplace in Israel, they know you're a tourist, and they've got baskets of these guys waiting for you to snap them up and bring them back. And then everybody tries to see how well they can blow the shofar. All right, so now, have any of you seen this ram's horn before? Have you heard them blow it? You've seen it on TV? Okay. Why do they blow this ram's horn? Well, do you remember the story of Abraham, Isaac, and the sacrifice? Where Abraham was going up the mountain to sacrifice his son? Crazy story. Can you imagine if that happened today? I always think about that. Like, imagine Instagram and YouTube going wild. Like, my dad took me up a mountain and tried to kill me. There would be every organization on the planet saying how bad we are. Can you believe these guys? Killing their children because God said so. It would be a scandal. I still think it's a scandal. Who would go up a mountain with your father, just you and him with a knife? That's crazy. But what does God do? He doesn't let Abraham kill Isaac. He sends a substitute. And when they look in the bush behind them, there's a ram in the bush. Now, it's because of that act that the Jewish people take the horn of the ram and they blow it at the Feast of Trumpets. Okay? Now, what's interesting is that Abraham, before they go up the mountain, says to Isaac, well, Isaac first says, Dad, you've got the wood, you've got the fire, you've got the knife. Where's the sacrifice, Dad? And Abraham's like, God will provide the lamb. Do you remember that? God will provide the lamb. Did God provide a lamb? There was a ram in the bush. Lamb and a ram are two different things. But where was Abraham and Isaac when this happened? They were on Mount Moriah, which is the same mountain where Golgotha exists to this day. It's the same mountain where Jesus hung on the cross. I wonder when Abraham said, God will provide the lamb, if he wasn't being a little prophetic because it wasn't a lamb that he provided that day. But thousands of years later, on that same mountain, God provided a lamb. John the Baptist, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So now it's getting interesting because what do we do on the Feast of Trumpets? We blow the ram's horn, but you know why we blow it? Because everybody who listens to the horn of the ram, to the noise that it makes, is supposed to be moved to repentance. During the days of Rosh Hashanah, or the Feast of Trumpets, in this very town that you live, in this very neighborhood that you dwell, the Jewish people are listening to that horn and they're repenting to God of all their sins. The minute you hear it, it's supposed to move you to repent. 
Now, what is the gospel essentially? We are sent to speak it. Because the Bible says, how can they hear if they, how can they know if they haven't heard? How can they hear if no one is sent? Our job is to be like a trumpet, isn't it? When we speak to people, when we engage with people, when we fellowship with people, shouldn't our words be as sweet and loving and serving in such a way that the people hearing it are going, perhaps I need to repent? Perhaps I need something more? Perhaps I need to return to God? Are we not walking trumpets here today? Walking around trying to get people to understand that God loves them and he wants to save them? I consider myself like a trumpet. And trust me, to some people I just make a loud noise. But to others, they turn to repentance. Now when you blow the shofar, and have any of you heard it being blown before? Okay, If you've heard it, it sounds all oh, wonderful and Jewish and there's Israeli music playing in the background and it's something that I do when I go to Israel and it's just, it's just a beautiful thing. The noise that it makes is actually by the rabbis themselves, they've put together a set of notes that you have to blow. It's a musical instrument. Do you know that the musical notes that you blow ask the following questions? Am I whole? The answer is no, you are broken. How can I be whole? The answer is if you follow me, your God, I can make you whole. And then they blow one long blast, which says God has made me whole. Isn't that interesting? It's interesting that we, we don't know this about uh, Jewish people, but at the end of the day, our Christ, our Messiah was Jewish. And so these are, these are cultural things that he would have understood. And when he spoke, that's the context from which he spoke. So it's important to know this. Let's put the movie back together. Sabbath, perpetual, eternal rest. Passover, saved by the blood of the Lamb. Then sent. Feast of weeks, filling of the Holy Spirit. Feast of trumpets, so that a noise can be made and people who hear it want to repent. Let's go to the next feast. The Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles. Put up your hand if you've heard of the Feast of Tabernacles before. Okay, fantastic. There's four or five people. That's good. Guys, it's in the Bible. I'm not coming to you with something new today. All right? Leviticus chapter 23. This year in your reading plan, pay attention to Leviticus. Don't just read over it. The Feast of Tabernacles. Why is this an important feast to know? It's important to know because it is the one feast that the Bible tells us through the book of Zechariah, I believe it's chapter 14, that we will celebrate when the Messiah brings peace to earth. Are we even aware that when Jesus, in our context, we know now it's Jesus, but in the Old Testament it was just the Messiah, that when the Messiah comes to bring peace on earth and reign on earth, he wants to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles according to the prophet Zechariah. Do we have any evidence of this in the New Testament? Yes. Matthew chapter 17. The Mount of Transfiguration. There's Peter, a nice Jewish boy, standing at the bottom of the mountain. He looks up and he sees Moses. He sees Elijah. He sees Jesus. Law, prophets, Messiah on the mountain. Okay? What does he look up and say? 
He says the most peculiar thing. And we read it and be like, okay, it's just Peter being Peter. He says, shall I make three tabernacles? Why? Because he's Jewish. He knows what the prophets said. He sees the law, the Messiah, and the prophets standing on a hill. The, the, the law and the prophets disappear. The Messiah is standing alone. And Peter thinks to himself, is this the revelation of the Messiah? Is this perhaps the moment where he's going to ascend the throne of David? Is this, is this it? Should, should I make three tabernacles, sir? Is this the Feast of Tabernacles? Jesus says, Peter, relax, calm down. I think he had to say that to him daily. Just relax, calm down, not yet. We'll get there. So why is it important to know about the Feast of Tabernacles? Because it is an, a definitely a picture for all of us of how when God returns, he wants us to tabernacle with him for all eternity. He wants to become our tent. He wants us to dwell with him forever. Do you know that the prize for being Christian is that when we die, we get to spend the rest of eternity in the presence of the most beautiful, incredible, awesome, all-inspiring, all-loving God. That's amazing. I want it. Nothing broken. Nothing sick. You don't need masks when you're in the presence of God. We need them here in this broken world. Yes. Not in heaven. My mom passed away three weeks ago. I got to pray with her four hours before she died. It makes me feel good that she's in the presence of God. It's much better than being here. Now, I invite you and ask you, do you love people enough to give them that opportunity? Or are you too nervous because you're scared of their reaction? Imagine your reaction when they do die. They didn't know Jesus. That's not a nice place to be. Trust me. Preach the gospel to those people that are in your circle. And don't be afraid to do it. And do it in love. And do it with sincerity. And do it with gentleness, but do it. Because we are, are giving open invitations to heaven, guys. So the Feast of Tabernacles is the time where we get to tabernacle with God for all eternity. And the last one I want to mention as I wrap up it happens just before the Feast of Tabernacles. And I've purposefully left it for the end. Because it actually happens in between the Feast of Trumpets and the Feast of Tabernacles. It's called the Day of atonement yom kippur it happens 10 days after the feast of trumpets it's the day that god says let's read it here and the lord spoke to moses saying on the 10th day of the seventh month shall be for you a time of holy convocation verse 26 and you shall do no ordinary work on that very day it is the day of atonement to make atonement for you before lord your god for whoever is not afflicted on that day shall be cut off for his people what the Jewish people do is they fast for 26 hours or 25 hours, depending on where you live, on Yom Kippur. And they ask God for forgiveness because they've heard the ram's horn for 40 days, uh, 30 days prior to the Feast of Trumpets and 10 days after the Feast of Trumpets. And they've hopefully repented enough. And on that day, you go to synagogue and you say, forgive me, write me in the book of life. And either you are written in the book of life or you're written in the book of death, according to Judaism. So the Day of Atonement's Judgment Day 
but every single year. Guys, thank God we are saved. We don't have to be scared of judgment day. Thank God once a year we don't have to listen to somebody blowing a trumpet for 40 days, beat our chests, go to synagogue, and come year in and year out and say, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, write me in the book of life. Guys, it's horrendous. I did it for 27 years. There is such freedom in Jesus. Do you understand how privileged you are when you know Christ? He is the greatest rescue mission of all time. Let that sink in. Not your husband, not your wife, not your child, not your girlfriend or boyfriend, not your boss, not the lotto, not the prime minister, not the rabbi. Christ, the greatest rescue mission of all time. Now I'm going to line up the feasts in a timeline. And let's see if we can get what God, I believe, was really showing us as a foreshadow through the book of Leviticus for what's to come later on in the Gospels. Sabbath is an idea of perpetual eternal rest broken by Adam and Eve. We're still paying the price for it. But God's idea is to bring Sabbath back when Christ returns so that we can have eternal rest in him. Wonderful. Passover, saved by the blood of the Lamb. Pentecost, Shavuot, filled by the Spirit and equipped. Feast of Trumpets, equipped and filled so you can be sent so that you can live your life as a trumpet unto the world on behalf of God so people can hear the gospel. Why? Because the day of atonement is real. And there will come a time where people will either be written in the book of life or the book of death. As a trumpet, we can invite people into the kingdom of God. Because of the great wedding feast and the great feast of tabernacles and the promise of a Sabbath, and the promise of an eternal existence with God, can you see that you were saved with a purpose? Every person sitting here today, and I want to close with this, every person sitting here today has been saved with a purpose. And if you aren't saved, in a few minutes we'll give you an opportunity to respond and come into the kingdom of God. So that you can realize your purpose. It's very simple. You're saved by the blood. You're filled by his spirit. Go and be trumpets for God. Go and invite people into the kingdom. Go fulfill the great commission. I don't want to hear anybody saying that they don't have a job. Oh, yes, you do. And you've got the greatest boss in the world. And he wants to equip you and send you. Join with me and Jews for Jesus, and let's together preach the gospel in Toronto. Let's get people into church. Let's get them to know Jesus, and let's get them an invitation into the eternal life waiting for them in heaven. Amen? I just want to pray for you, and then we'll call up the band. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha. 
יאר אדוני פניו אליך ויקונך, יישא אדוני פניו אליך ויישם לך שלום. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and may he give you his peace. Lord, may this word settle in their hearts and may you equip them, anoint them, send them, fill them and give them the courage to preach the gospel in this world for as long as they may live. In Jesus' mighty name.